Hello, and welcome to Vet in the City Pet Health Chat. This is Dr. Deborah Vulgaris. Thanks for joining me, everybody. I know it's been a while since the last podcast, so I thank you for, for joining me today. It has been a crazy time, and, and I'm hearing this from a lot of people. It has been just a, a lot going on. Um, and in, in addition to all of the things going on, personally and professionally, I also had a technological breakdown. So basically, I was at, without a phone for a while. My my phone disappeared, and it was never found. And then my computer broke down a number of times, and then finally died. So I actually don't have a computer right now. I'm talking into my phone. I apologize. This is I usually have a, a software program that I'm speaking into that kind of makes it a little bit of a you know, just more of a mild sound. And so I really apologize if the if the sound quality is not so great, but I wanted to get a podcast out to you, um, you know, at least just to say hello. And kind of, I, I came across something that I find fascinating. This has been really a focus in my career in general. It has always been a focus of my career. You know, it's like, why do we decline? Why, why do we decline in age? What is going on there? Um, you know, mitochondrial health. I mean, for those of you that know me, I have a real interest in oxygen therapies and, you know, whether it be ozone or hyperbaric oxygen, you know, these are things that actually can, um, you know, they, they help with oxygen utilization and mitochondrial function in addition to a whole bunch of other things. It helps to bring down inflammation um, and acupuncture and the right kinds of diets and, you know, just laser therapies and so many other things that we're doing. You know, for me, what I'm trying to do is heal at the root of the issue. I'm not just, yes, of course, if, if, I can't do that and it's going to help my patient feel better, then absolutely, then we'll do it. But I'm always hopeful that we can kind of address the root issue or at least, you know, try to address the root issue, which is almost always inflammation, which is almost always a a disruption or a decline in mitochondrial function uh, and oxygen utilization um, in, in, in the cells of the body. And I recently got this amazing email from the Dog Aging Project. I don't know if you're familiar with the Dog Aging Project, but it is really an impressive group of people who, you know, are, are, have been kind of involved in this ongoing research study looking at how dogs age. If you're interested in taking a look at their website, I encourage you. It's, uh, basically dogagingproject.org. And they have research studies on there and they have, if you wanted to, you could even enroll your dog. I mean, it's an ongoing enrollment. Um, I think that there's a survey that you can fill out and you can kind of become a part of the dog aging project. It's really amazing stuff. I've been following them for a number of years. Um, it is it is led by amazing research scientists. Um, there are three uh, lead investigators, uh, three people that are involved in the executive leadership team. Um, one of them is a is a veterinarian. She's the sh- the chief veterinary officer. Her name is Kate Creevy, and I actually knew her very briefly at the University of Georgia when I was there doing an internship years ago. Um, and she is, you know, she's a DVM. She has a master's of science. She has um, a specialty 
in internal medicine. And then there are other research scientists involved um, on this executive team. And it's Matt, I can never pronounce his name, Matt Caberlean, I think is his name. Um, and then there's Daniel Promislau. And the two of them are basically uh, co-directors and principal investigators. But beyond that, there are also dozens and dozens of incredible researchers who have, you know, they come from different backgrounds, different specialties, you know, PhDs, MDs, DVM, um, people that have, you know, master's degrees and, are, you know, are really just, it's really kind of incredible as I look at the, and I'm actually looking at it right now, MPH, you know, all of these things that are just really, really impressive. So they have dozens and dozens of people that are researchers who are contributing to these projects. And there's multiple research studies going on, you know, at all time, they have ongoing research going on. It is amazing. And they're basically affiliated with numerous institutions. So if you take a look at the collaborating institutions, you'll see Arizona State University, uh, the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard, Colorado State University, Flint Cancer Center, Colorado State University, College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences, Cornell uh, vet school, um, Harvard Medical School Center for Bioethics, um, Princeton University, Tel Aviv University, Washington, um, Washington, the University of Washington and multiple schools out of, uh, the University of Washington. It's College of Art and Science, Arts and Science and, um, the School of Medicine and the School of Public Health, uh, you know, Washington State University, College of Veterinary Medicine and on and on. There's many, many others, but it gives you an idea about, you know, the level of, in, you know, of, of, uh, legitimacy to this thing. So it's really amazing. So I want you, you know, as part of the whole reason why I'm doing a podcast is because I really want to empower you with with information and education. I mean, that's what this is all about, right? If you know what's going on and you can kind of look at some of the research yourself, you are in a much better position to make better choices, not only for your pets, by the way, but for yourself, um, you know, when you look at the dog aging project, you know, the whole purpose behind this um, is they are trying to kind of um, understand how genes, lifestyle, and environment influences aging. So it's not just for your dog, even though that is the, the primary um, goal of the, of the study is they want to use that information to help pets, of course, but also in so doing, they are actually helping people increase their health span. And I say health span, that's a little bit different than lifespan. Some of you may be familiar with the term health span, um, but it's not the same thing as lifespan. Okay, when you're looking at lifespan, you're basically look looking at the temporal span. You're looking at the time period of being alive. If you have a, a lifespan of 80 years, say you were alive for 80 years, that's the lifespan of that individual. Okay, or the average lifespan for a certain species, the average lifespan of a dog, for example, okay, is about 11 or 12 years old. But lifespan doesn't take into consideration the quality of life. I mean, if somebody lives to be 90 years old, the implication is, wow, they had a nice long life. You know, you think that they were probably pretty healthy throughout their life and they probably were, you know, I mean, it's hard to live to be 90 years old if you weren't. But, 
you know, there's a lot of sickness and a lot of decline, you know, that can go on for many, many years, right? And so when you think about lifespan, it's not really taking into consideration whether or not you spent many years of your life with disease and with pain and being unhappy, right? So health span, on the other hand, is basically the period of your life spent free from disease. So we want to increase not only lifespan, we not only the time period that you're alive or your pet's alive, but also health span, the period of life spent free of disease, free from pain. So that's what they're doing. And it's kind of incredible. Okay. They've done a lot of research. Um, and I'm going to kind of, uh, I want to direct you to one thing in particular, but I want you to take a look if you, if you're so inclined at some of their projects. I mean, they're looking at, you know, all kinds of things, you know, age and physical activity levels and companion animals and the results on their health. This was, um, you know, a 2022 article. Um, they're looking at, you know, cognitive, canine cognitive dysfunction. Um, they're looking at, you know, basically, you know, the habits of healthy individuals. There's one um, article that that is really, this is something that I've kind of known and, and we've known about for a long time, but in the holistic world, and you know, I'm a holistic practitioner, we seem to be more aware of it than other veterinarians for some reason, is diet. <laughs> Here we go again with diet, right? Um, what you're eating is very, very important. I mean, there's so much, there's so much research out there, you know, that, you know, processed food. I mean, you, it depends on where you look. You know, there's some vets that say there's no research to prove this. Well, it depends on where you're looking. If you're not willing to look outside of your, of your, um, you know, what's comfortable for you outside your comfort zone, if you will, you may never find it. You know, finding things is really a matter of where you're looking. So, you know, it is absolutely imperative that you're feeding your dog, your cat, a good, healthy diet. You know, a recent study, this actually wasn't from the Dog Aging Project, I don't think, but a recent study shows that cats getting fed kibble are, are far, far more likely to have diabetes mellitus, right? Far more likely, far more likely. And in addition to all the other things that they're far more likely to have, you know, cats should never have a kibble diet. Cats need moisture. Cats need uh, protein. You know, they, they should not be on a high carbohydrate, glucose, you know, sugary, um, dry food diet. It kills cats slowly, in my opinion. And, you know, I've had arguments with people about this and I will continue to have arguments with people like this, but there's actually research now, you know, that, that you know, actually there has been some research before, but now it's coming more to the forefront. Um, you know, that kibble diets are not a good thing for cats. And most veterinarians do agree with that. You know, I mean, they, they have kidney disease that is very, very uh, prevalent, um, you know, and, you know, they need a high, high, you know, high moisture diet, hydration in their diet. And they usually, you know, in nature, they get that from prey. And so you want to sort of simulate that whenever you can. And, and I mean, any kibble diet, any kibble diet should not be given to a cat. Off That should be off the menu, <laughs> you know, not just give a little bit here and a little bit there, you know, or keep it down. You know, I just give them a little bit. You shouldn't give them any. They don't need to have the glucose. It, it makes them sick. So anyway, I digress. It's not just what you're feeding your dog or cat, by the way. And this is something that I came across on the Dog Aging Project. They were looking at once daily feeding 
being associated with better health and companion dogs. And they have their article that was recently published in Gero Science 2022. Um, Bray, uh, Zhang et al. Tolbert, um, a whole bunch of other researchers um, took a look at once daily feeding. And they were able to say that, you know, this is, this seems to be positively correlated with health. You know, I mean, you know, we all know about intermittent fasting and, and all of that. And it is associated with, with decreased inflammation and longevity. And so if you want to see the article, go ahead. It's actually on PubMed. It's, it's in a number of different places. Um, but if you want to see, you know, at least some, you know, some of the, the research abstracts, um, you can take a look at it on their website. Okay. So it's really, really interesting stuff. I mean, they're looking at, you know, the, the effect of spay and neutering on animal health and, and all of this amazing stuff. So I encourage you to go to their website and take a look at some of the research they're doing. But today I actually want to sort of, uh, kind of guide you down this article that's about understanding why we age. It's called the fountain of youth, understanding inflammation and why we age. And when I saw this, I was like, wow, that's exactly what I've been trying to say for a long time. And this is, you know, and until you can kind of see it in writing, you know, you it's like, you know, that it's like all of us, whether you're a doctor or not, all of us sometimes know something, even though we can't prove it, you know, and, and, and the, there has been some proof. So it's not that there has been no evidence. But when I see something that's as hardcore as this and, and this ongoing, um, really well-designed study, because, you know, whenever you read a study, you have to take a look at how well is it designed. I mean, if it's a, if it's a poorly designed study, then it doesn't hold much water, right? These are well-designed studies, you know, with very, very smart researchers who know how to, um, you know, uh, get get results that are actually meaningful, um, and they are doing that with with trying to understand why we age. And basically, you know, they're basically saying, and I, I kind of want you to take a look at this. It's not a long read, but it's really uh, informative. Um, and again, you know, when I started doing the podcasts a while a while ago now. I started talking about inflammation and chronic inflammation and obesity and um, things that kind of continue to cause more inflammation in our body, right? We started talking about chronic disease and the prevalence of chronic disease um, with, with everybody from humans to, and especially our dogs. And why? Because our dogs and our cats for that matter, but mostly our dogs, they are, we are subjecting them. They are being subjected to the same things that we are. So they are really a mirror for the diseases that, that we have, right? When we, when we look at chronic disease and cancer, obesity, you know, it's not that different from, from the way, um, or at least statistically how it presents in, in humans. Okay. So why do we, why do we age and why do our dogs age? So basically it's saying that, you know, as we get older, you know, obviously, for those of you that are over a certain age, and I'm I'm now in my mid fifties, which is amazing. It's hard to believe, right? For me, anyway. <laughs> Maybe not to everybody else, but for me. But as we get older, you know, there's a point in our lives where we're really not aging very much. You know, there's really not much of a difference between somebody who's 22 to 32, right? Like you're young. If you're a healthy person, you're young. You're young at 22. You're young at 30. You're young at 32. Okay. It's, it's not like there's an accelerated age process going on. 
Okay, there is a point in our lives, however, where it does start to accelerate. And for most humans, that's about 50 years old. Okay, I would say there's a lot of changes that are taking place in the body. And that's true of animals too, depending on the breed. There is, there is a lot of breed, um, you know, differences for sure. Um, but typically it's about, you know, we start to see some changes taking place, you know, around eight years old. Okay, so, you know, what starts to happen to us? you know, and them, you know, there's aches, there's pains, you might see that your dog is having trouble getting up, you might see that they don't want to go on as long walk, you know, the walks are, are shorter, they kind of don't want to go as long as they used to. Um, maybe they're having trouble getting into the car. Maybe they're starting to have vision or hearing changes. Maybe you'll start seeing that there's cloudiness in their eyes, right? Like these are the kinds of things that you know, we start to see with age, we don't see it before a certain time. I mean, prior to, for me, I mean, I'm doing pretty well and I'm pretty healthy, I think, but even me, (laughs) even me, right? Like prior to 50, I don't think I ever had one single pain in my knee. I never had a single pain in my back, but then boom, things started happening. And there are things you can do about it. There are certain things that you You can't reverse the clock completely, but can you fight against it? Yes. Do you need to know what you're doing? Yes. You need to know what you're doing. Do you need to address the root problem? Yes. So, you know, this is where the holistic stuff comes in. It's not just a matter of taking a pill, although that may be important, but giving our body what it needs to be able to regulate itself. This is very, very important. And this is what I'm trying to do as a holistic practitioner. Okay. Sometimes we need medications. Absolutely. Um, but sometimes it's, it's not the medication that we need to do. Sometimes there's other things that need to be done with in conjunction with, or sometimes not in conjunction with other things, right? Other things, you know, like diet, like, like, you know, if you're, if your dog is having trouble walking on the, on the, on the floor, you know, putting down traction, you know, that helps to uh, make them less likely to get injured, for example. We don't want to keep re-injuring ourselves, you know, repetitive st- repetitive stress injuries. We certainly don't want to do that. Um, you know, we kind of have to work within a different uh, different rules as we get older. And I'll tell you why. So obviously, as we get older with increasing age, we are at increased risk of developing chronic disease, right? And this is true of humans and this is true of our dogs and our cats and other any any animal as they're getting older. Um, and studies show that nearly 80% of Americans, now this is based on what the uh, Dog Aging Project has done. When I was researching it, I came up with about 70 to 80%. Um, and they're saying nearly 80%, so that's consistent, of Americans over 65 years of age have at least one chronic disease, and 50% have at least two chronic diseases, okay? And they and they cite um, their resources for that. And, you know, we see similar changes in our, our pets as they age. And, you know, and as I said, you know, they begin to slow down and they start to have, you know, decreased visual acuity and they have decreased hearing. Um, sometimes, you know, they are having trouble sleeping. I mean, many of you may have noticed that, you know, at some point there are, uh, sometimes disturbances in the sleep-wake cycle. That is something that does happen. We start to see, uh, you know, maybe some anxiety, maybe some confusion, maybe some disorientation. You know, I mean, for example, and there's, and, and as I said, there's breed uh, dispositions, right? Like if you have a Mastiff or a Great Dane, sadly, they age faster. You know, they seem to age faster. They become seniors sometimes as early as six years old. 
You know, I mean, it's like, the, I, you know, I've had Great Danes who I love them and, you know, they're so beautiful. I recently had a, a nine-year-old Great Dane, which was really amazing. Um, and she passed away very suddenly. She was fine and then she wasn't. You know, it's like the, the, the lifespan, okay? So here we say lifespan, you know, of, of you know, these larger breed dogs, especially giant breeds, um, you know, is not very long. Um, un- unfortunately, um, while smaller dogs have, they seem to have a longer lifespan, right? They, we don't typically, and, and health span, we don't typically see, um, age, aging or age related decline until they're usually about nine or 10. I mean, I have a dog, Jack Russell Terrier. She's about 20 pounds. She just turned 13. She's doing pretty well. I am seeing signs of aging. Her eyes are getting cloudier. You know, there are times when I'm not sure <laughs> if she's paying attention or if she hears me. You know, there are some things taking place. Luckily, for 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 me, you know, because you know everybody, right? All of our dogs. Luckily, if you if you have the um, have a smaller dog that is that is aging slowly, right? I mean, it is not unusual uh, to see a Jack Russell Terrier that is 15, 16, 17 years old. And by the way, I have seen a number of large dogs too that are also 15, 16, 17 years old. So I think that you know some we're we're doing something right. Um, and some dogs are are genetically also very lucky, you know. I mean, we're not we can't say that it's only one thing that leads to, um, you know, this decline. But we are thinking that it is um, that inflammation is the culprit, and that really is um, what we're going to talk about a little bit more right now. Okay, so basically, why do we age? Well, you know, that's a really good question. Why do we age? I think that there are a number of reasons, right? There are a number of things that have happened. And, you know, we talk about epigenetics and I, I, at least I do, (laughs) it's one of my favorite, favorite topics. Um, but you know, epigenetics is basically, you know, you're born, your dog is born, your cat is born with a certain set DNA. The DNA never changes. Okay. It does not change unless there's a mutation or a point mutation. And that is typically, you know, totally random and, not something that we don't, that we have any control over, you know, I mean, some of the concern about radiation and and all of that, I mean, it can cause mutations in the DNA, um, potentially. So, you know, those are things that we are concerned about, but, but with, without any of those things happening, we're born with DNA that does not change. It's fixed. What is not fixed is how it presents itself in the world, how it manifests. Okay. So the genetic, um, expression is what can change. And that has to do with lifestyle. And we talked a little bit about this. Um, I talked a little bit about this on earlier podcast lifestyle. Again, what is the diet? Do you exercise? You know, are you drinking clean water? What is the stress level? And, you know, going on in the house, you know, is the air that you're breathing clean, right? There's so many things that go in. What kind of health care do you have? I mean, that's a big thing too. Some people have really good health care. Some people don't. That's going to make a big difference. So, um, you know, that's what we're talking about. So there's a lot of things that go into aging, right? It's a complex process. But research suggests that inflammation is at the center, Inflammation is sometimes good, right? Inflammation is the body's protective reaction to injury, disease, or irritation. And it's usually characterized by by signs that you might be familiar with, right? Like if you've ever sprained your ankle or if you've ever gotten hurt, you know, from any kind of uh, injury, you'll see that there's swelling, there's redness, it's hot to touch, right? That's actually a good thing. 
short-term inflammation can be really helpful to fight off, um, you know, infection. It can fight off, um, you know, it can help with tissue uh, repair, right? It's trying to um, get inflammatory mediators in there and trying to like kind of clean up the damaged uh, tissue so that the, so that healthy, da- uh, healthy tissue can start to, to um, kind of replace it, right? So, you know, inflammation in the short term that is protective is actually very good. However, chronic low-level inflammation can be um, really bad. It, it plays a role in the development of a lot of diseases in humans, including type 2 diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's, cancer, and even depression. Okay, so when we're talking about, you know, inflammation as we age, we're typically talking about chronic inflammation, chronic, low-level, ongoing inflammation. And that seems to be the the main contributor to aging. So scientists have fittingly coined um, a phrase. They basically are using it to describe the chronic sterile, uh, meaning non-infectious, um, uh, low-grade inflammation associated with aging. And they're calling it inflammaging, which I love. I think that that is you know, it really describes it, right? Basically, the body's immune system is complex and it consists of both, both inflammation preventing, right? Anti-inflammatory factors and inflammation promoting or pro-inflammatory factors. And they are held in a delicate balance in the body, right? Like you, your body needs to be able to mount um, in, an inflammatory response, right? Sometimes you need inflammation and you need that uh inflammation promoting response. Sometimes inflammation is good. And on the other hand, sometimes you need to have that uh, inflammation preventing uh, factor, right? You need to have that system kick in, that anti-inflammatory system kick in. So, you know, your body needs both. But as we age, and this is true of our our animal companions, the amount of pro-inflammatory factors increase, meaning that we actually have more of the uh inflammation promoting factors and less of the anti-inflammatory factors in the body. And that puts us um, into a pro-inflammatory state as we get older. So that's a very big, important point, okay? We're actually getting, you know, pushed into a pro-inflammatory state as we get older. And inflammaging, if you will, is the result of chronic stimulation of the immune system by various mechanisms. And, And this is really important too, okay? Part of this whole thing is that as we get older, as dogs get older, as humans get older, as cats get older, as horses get older, as everybody gets older, at that point, remember we said that, you know, you're not really, your your age is not really accelerating until you hit a certain point and then you start to age faster, okay? So again, is there really that much of a difference between somebody who's, you know, 25 and 35? Mm. There is maybe a little bit of a difference, but it's not going to be the same as somebody between the ages of 50 and 60, for example. Okay. So we're talking about, you know, rates of aging and and how fast we're aging. And when we get to that point, when we get to a point where our bodies are really starting to change, you know, for those of you over a certain age, the body's composition starts to change with aging. 
okay? It results in increased total body and visceral fat, which is basically fat that's within the abdominal cavity that wraps around organs. And that can be very dangerous because that can, you know, a lot of people, you know, might not seem heavy, you know, they might not seem, you know, like they they have extra fat, but it's inside their body. It's visceral. And that is more dangerous, actually, than having, you know, weight on your thighs because you don't want fat that's wrapping around your, your organs, your heart, right? So that's even, that's even worse. But, but having said that, fatty tissue releases pro-inflammatory markers that can promote inflammation. So here we go again, right? We're being pushed into, for, for many reasons, right? As we're getting older, we, our dogs, our cats, everybody that's getting older is being pushed into a pro-inflammatory state, a, a uh, inflammation-promoting state. And then on top of that, your body is changing. You have less muscle mass, right? And this is one of the things that as people getting older, they're trying to preserve their muscle mass. This is true of your dogs too, right? I mean, it's like the scale might not change all that much, but what's being, you know, replaced, you know, in muscle, you know, from your muscle mass, what you've lost in muscle mass, I should say, um, you've gained in fat, so the muscle, the, the scale might say the same thing, but your composition is different. So what we are, what we have found, and this is something that I've said in, in previous, um, podcasts is that obesity is really, really dangerous. We know that obesity in our dogs, um, and in our cats actually decreases lifespan. Okay. So the amount of time that your animal is alive is shorter. And in some cases, up to a few years shorter, a few years when you're looking at an animal that has an average age of 11 or 12. I mean, that is a lot of time. That is a big percentage of their, of their life. But in addition to that, it is also decreasing the health span. It's not just a matter of weight on knees or weight on, you know, on the orth, you know, the, the skeleton of the body, which is, is definitely harder. You know, extra weight is very difficult on the, on the joints of the body. And it definitely contributes to arthritis and, and all of that. Absolutely. But it's not just about that. It's also about all of the inflammation and all of the comorbidities that seem to come along with it. What we have found is that adipose tissue releases pro-inflammatory markers that promote inflammation. And we also know that gut micro, uh, microflora, the microbiota, uh, the gut microbiome um, also may be contributing to the release of inflammatory products, okay? So, I mean, this is another research project that you might want to read about if you go to the dogagingproject.org. Um, they have their, you know, under research, you know, take a look at all of this stuff because this is really, really, really amazing, amazing stuff. Um how are they measuring it? So this is an ongoing project. When they're looking at um, how to measure inflammaging, they're basically looking at certain types of chemicals in the blood that are um, basically inflammatory mediators, okay? You can actually measure certain types of inflammatory factors in the blood, okay? Um, when an area is injured, you know, cytokines are sent into the area, Cytokines are actually, um, they're small proteins and they control growth and activity of other immune cells. Um, and they actually help to recruit white blood cells, which are also a part of the immune system. Okay. So cytokines and related proteins 
are called acute phase proteins. Um, and they can be pro-inflammatory or they can be anti-inflammatory. And studies in people have showed that pro-inflammatory cytokines and something called C-reactive protein, which is one of my favorite things to measure. When I take blood from, from a patient, um, and this is actually a part of many um, profiles these days, you know, when they're looking at inflammation, when they're looking at cancer, there's a couple of algorithms out there um, where they look at C-reactive protein as a part of an algorithm or, or a, um, a risk assessment, if you will, um, for, for cancer. C-reactive protein is one of the things they're looking at. So they are basically, these cytokines and these C-reactive protein, they're pro-inflammatory acute phase proteins. Um, and they are so, um, they are really accurately telling you what is going on in that moment in terms of inflammation in the body. Um, so much so that it has been a, a used as a predictor of mortality in, in older people. So it is really, really something else. And they are looking at all of that. Okay. So this is an ongoing project. Um, and I really, really encourage you to, to take a look at their stuff. I mean, what they're trying to do, obviously, as I said, is they're trying to help animals. Of course, they're trying to help dogs not only live longer lives, but like happier lives that are free of disease. But in so doing, they're actually able to help us too. They're able to help humans because if they can study dogs in a 10 to 15 period, 15 year period, which is typically the lifespan of a dog, right? Um, they can kind of glean the same uh, level of results, sort of, right? Versus following a person's lifespan out 70 to 100 years, right? So dogs age more rapidly um, than humans. And they also, unfortunately, get many of the same diseases of aging, okay? So, you know, again, that's that has to do with society. That has to do with diet. That has to do with the environment. That has to do with the lack of exercise, you know, this movement away from the natural world, you know? And I'm not saying everybody should go live out in the woods, but I am saying that, you know, there are, um, you know, there's a lot of down, there's a downside to it all, right? There's, there's some great things and there's some uh, not so great things. And, and we know that. So, you know, the, the hope is that once we understand how our companion animals age, um, we can then implement things like nutritional or pharmaceutical intervention or lifestyle changes to help reduce the effects of aging. And so this is really what it's about, right? So I encourage you to take a look at this, this really, really amazing, um, this, this website, this project. There's so much amazing research. Uh, this, this article that I kind of uh, talked to you about today, again, is called The Fountain of Youth, Understanding, Inflammaging, and Why We Age. And it just came out this month. Um, and so it's really amazing. And I want to also encourage you to, um, you know, get involved. You know, they have ongoing enrollment for dogs that you don't have to do very much. It's not like, you know, they're not going to experiment on your dog or anything. But there is a, you have to, if you want to be a part of it, you nominate your dog and then you fill out a survey. And I think that you kind of, you know, give them information ongoing about what's going on with your dog. And they are able to get information from that. So, take a look. It's really, really valuable. Um, I think that this is an amazing uh, opportunity and I think it's going to help us in so many ways. They're already helping us in so many ways. So check them out, www.dogagingproject.org. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.